You're listening to the Analuya podcast, where faith and animation collide. Each episode, we'll discuss the various topics in animated movies and TV shows, while also sharing our thoughts and opinions as they relate to faith and spirituality. Get ready to raise a hallelujah. It's time for Analuya. And you're locked into the Analuya podcast. My name is Josh. And back from seeing... Um, Handles Messiah this last week is my wife, Rebecca. Hello, everybody. So with Handles Messiah, again, it was an appropriate thing to see on Easter weekend. It's the first time I've ever attended like a quote-unquote, like, would they consider it an opera? Uh, yes. Or more like just a... <laughs> I don't know, actually. Or, or more just like a chorus, orchestral kind of like composition. Um, I don't know. Honestly, it's, um, it's a good question. I think it's more of a choral performance with, I'm sure there's a special name. My sister would be able to to know because, I mean, this is what she does. So I, I don't know. And she was actually in it. She she was yeah. uh, cast in the chorus uh, for Handel's Messiah. Yep. And, I mean, as far as, like, what I consider to be the peak and the pinnacle of success might be different from others, but performing at the Skrinner Horn in Nashville, I mean, that's pretty epic. That's really cool. Yeah. And that was a volunteer basis um, to be in the choir. I don't know about the orchestra. It wasn't a full orchestra, um, but yeah, I know the chorus was or choir was um, was voluntary, which is impressive. They spent quite a long time practicing everything, and man, it was very impressive. If you've never heard um, Handel's Messiah, I would definitely recommend it. And be prepared for to sit for about. Two hours and 40 minutes. It's it's a long one. Well, and they didn't even perform all of it. Oh, yeah. You, they, your, they, your sister told us that they skipped a few of the things. They did. They left out some of the uh, of some of the songs, which I was like, wow, really? And it was still two hours and 40 minutes. It was long. <laughs> it was really long. Yeah. Well, Handel's Messiah said, we are really excited because we have another guest on our podcast. Woohoo! It was just, just a couple weeks ago, didn't we have the guest? It, mm-hmm. Because it was two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> All right. Well, Rebecca, do you want to go ahead and introduce our guest? Uh, yes. So today we have um, Mason McKenney, and he is with us. He's a, a Webtoon artist, and we're really excited to have him on board, and a fellow uh, anime lover, of course. Oh, hey. Thank you uh, so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank yeah. you for making the time to, to be on with us and Really excited to have our audience to get to know you better. And uh, Mason, it's great to have you uh, with us today. And especially because you're a, um, what would you describe yourself as? A animator, graphic designer? What what would you describe what you do? I'm just a general overall creative. I, I'm a writer, uh, an artist. Well, yeah, a writer, an illustrator. A, um, currently a game developer right now. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so, um, I do a lot of things. Maybe I can get into music <laughs> again. But right now, just writing and illustrating is the two main things that I do. Wonderful. And I've seen your YouTube channel as well. It looks like you do a lot of, um, oh, what do you call it, like quick draw or show your like animation process on there and mm-hmm. have some promos for your current work. Oh, uh, yeah. That was um, content that I decided to uh, upload from my TikTok because I tried doing that for a while 
And uh, I had a goal of making a hundred TikTok videos, but I realized that I don't think I had a I have enough ideas for a hundred videos. So I'm gonna get back on that when I do. <laughs> nice. I mean, TikTok is a hard game um, yeah. for some, and well, for a lot of people actually. I mean, I, I I don't know if we would ever venture out to the TikTok game. It's just um, because it was it started as like just a whole like oh it's a fun app where you dance and music <laughs> and all this, but now it's totally gone a whole lot of directions. To me, it's kind of like Twitter in the video world, you know, except. Because you have to be really funny. I think then again, I mean that's just like Vine was, right? And now Vine doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, the video form of Twitter is the best way to to describe TikTok. Cool, honestly. Yeah, yeah. You got to be really like short and pithy, and like whatever it is that you're gonna do. It's yeah, it's impressive. So I totally get why maybe that was a little more <laughs> more than perhaps you bargained for. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I could do it. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, we're going to go ahead and get to know you a little bit uh, better, Mason, and how our listeners get to know more about you. So, Rebecca, if you'll do the honors as usual and begin the interview. Yes, yes. Very formal interview. Um, no, we're, <laughs> we don't try to be formal. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, to start off, honestly, we would just love to know a little bit more about you, like how you grew up, where you grew up, and how you really got into animation. Yeah, uh, I'm born and raised in uh, North Carolina, probably mostly stayed here my whole life. And um, I grew up as a Pentecostal Christian. Right now, I kind of identify as non-denominational because I was just doing some, I wouldn't say deconversion, but just understanding like what is truth. And I realized, oh yeah, Christianity is definitely true. So I just so I'm um, in terms of denominations, I'm just trying to find out like which traditions are um, authentic to the faith. Um, and uh, I got my love uh, from animation by just, just from an early childhood. I think I was just drawn to the creativity, the just raw creativity of it. And a lot of the... Um, it's just funny and different, different weird, expressive ways to go across an idea that's very specific to animation that I just don't really see anywhere else. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, we um, obviously we we see the same thing. We see mm -hmm. animation is so so unique and able to get across these ideas that um, perhaps live action doesn't really get to explore. And yeah, to me, there's like a, a real cohesiveness to a story, particularly when you get into like sci-fi or fantasy or any of that, because it's all the same drawing style. So it looks like it belongs rather, you know, than if you have like live action, which is using CGI, you can pretty easily tell that it's not supposed to be there. And animation just kind of suspends reality, which is really neat. So cool. It's all funny when you say like CGI too, because like now we're all just watching anime. We're all watching like animation. It's definitely, yeah. it all circles back to itself. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I would agree with that. And as far as like with the type of animation, we here have, you know, in the US, like Western cartoons, what they call 
that here in the states and they you know it's more slapstick and you know some some that has moments but i think anime in terms of like emotion mason you and i were talking a little bit about you know the emotional um aspect of some anime series where mm. uh, western cartoons don't really evoke that for me like i could watch say the animated series of batman not shed a tear you're lying April. I'll have lots of tissues by the end. <laughs> oh yeah. I can, I can definitely understand what you're talking about. I think the earliest, well, I guess not, not the earliest, but the latest instance of uh, watching, watching a Western cartoon that made me emotional was uh, the first season of young justice. And I don't even watch a lot of superhero cartoons. It, there was just a dynamic of uh, Superboy, which is, the uh, the clone like the son clone of superman wanting superman to be his father figure and because superboy was made like without his consent he just doesn't want to be a part of superboy's life and that that scenario just hit me hard i was like ah wow. <laughs> you know <laughs> wow. it's such a good nice. such a good season and yeah, we it, never watched that. Now, uh, Young Justice, I think I've seen that on like HBO Max or something. It, was it a earlier thing, like on Cartoon Network, or how, how's yeah. that? Oh, okay, okay, got it. Yeah, okay. I forget like what year it came out, but I do remember seeing it on like the early days of Cartoon Network. But like back then, I only I didn't watch any superhero stuff that or just shows that had like kind of realistic proportions because that didn't really interest me at the time. Um, but you. now that I grow up, I'm like, whoa, I'm, I missed out. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Some great stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and to circle back around to about what you said about how you, you grew up in um, Pentecostal. If you've been listening, you may know that Josh actually grew up in the Pentecostal church. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and then now we're, I don't even know what we are. It doesn't matter. Honestly, I don't yeah. think it does like the whole denominations. Um, to me, it's more about, okay, are you living out the truths in the Bible and mm-hmm. really focusing on that as your um, your starting point and then finding a church that just you gel with and no place is perfect. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, for us, we're going to a Calvary Chapel um, and they are like really focused on Bible. So if you have one around you, a Calvary Chapel, that may be a great place to start to get some like good Bible teaching. But there's a lot of great churches out there. Right, right. I think the whole um, denominational thing, it kind of boils down to community. Yeah. Because everybody has uh, their own theodicies and their own understanding of the scriptures. And I think having those kinds of places, I think denominations was like the earliest uh, forms of people trying to find out their community of right. yeah. trying to trying to find out like which way is the most authentic way to worship the most high you know yeah absolutely that's a, that's a really good point and i think um i've said this for a while but you know i think the different denominations um hone in on different truths that are in the bible and different mm-hmm. truths of um, what it means to be a Christian. Sometimes they take it maybe a little too far, and but I think they're most of them are representations of who who God is, and that's really cool to be able to look at. Um, hmm. But yeah, yeah. Okay, I had just one more thing about this. I, yeah, I don't, yeah. One more thing about the whole denomination thing. 
when it comes to like a lot of objections to Christianity. And one of the things I hear often is the multiple denominations that there that is underneath Christianity, the tree of Christianity. And a lot of people think that's a negative, but I personally think that's a positive in a way that there are many ways that we can worship. And I think that I, I personally think that's amazing. Um, And a lot of them don't really um, over overstep each other's boundaries. It's just different understandings of different ways of uh, um, following, following the scriptures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great way to say that. Um, and yeah, you're exactly right. We actually had a question um, going into your your webtoon that you created. Um, I'd love mm-hmm. for you to tell us just a little bit more about Purgatory Academy and um, how you came up with the idea to create this story. I guess it would would start of in high school, of course. And believe it or not, I really disliked high school. I had a, a seething hatred for it <laughs> uh, to the point where I think, I think we I, all did a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had, well, I still have a friend that I um, occasionally talk to and we had a shared interest in like dark humor and we, how we got by our day is just kind of saying jokes like, oh man, this school is like purgatory. (laughs) You, (laughs) like, you are, it's like, it's never ending. You leave, you get back and then you're doing the same thing over and over again. And we also had like a shared interest, not only that, a shared interest of um, shows and uh, music that ties into um, the look of the first book of Purgatory Academy and like the show. Oh yeah. yeah, Well, the show that we both really liked was Ed and Nettie, like a cartoon network uh, show that aired like way back when. And that's, an important thing because there was a, uh, a a fan theory of Ed and Eddie of like if every kid in the cul-de-sac was in purgatory and uh, we kind of r- r- uh, ran with that and we thought of an idea of like what if there was a school that was in purgatory and as I was like drawing what the show might look like we both had the same interest in gorillas the uh, virtual uh, band so I kind of took the art style of like the first phase of like the early 2000s uh art style of gorillas we didn't really do much for it for about like a year or two uh throughout high school but while that was going on i had a um i had a friend um i say had but he's still alive we're just we just don't talk to each other anymore he's an atheist last time i checked and we would have a lot of conversations a lot of debates about uh the existence of god and I still like uh, for many years. I used to still have a lot of conversations about with other non-believers about the existence of God, and I would usually ask the question: If the Christian God is true, would you believe? Would you follow Him? And I got a lot of no's. <laughs> like, wow. and I was thinking that's really interesting. And everybody has. Everybody denies God for their own personal reasons. And that kind of gave me inspiration to write the first book of I'm of like a lot of uh, young adults my age who unfortunately met an untimely demise. And they are in a facility where they're in a position where they cannot deny the existence of God. 
and they have four years to figure out whether they want to be with him for eternity or not. And the book is just uh, a an explanation of understanding people's worldview and like meeting them where they are. And the audience would get make the decision of if that conclusion is rational or not. That's a long winded version of, but I'm, yeah, I'm sorry about that. That was great. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, And I did start reading it. Um, I'm not too far into it, but it was really interesting to see um, the different questions that are brought up by some of the characters. Like, what are we doing here? What is this all about? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Particularly in in the beginning, there's a character. um, I think she's got uh, like, like part of her head is shaved um, mm-hmm. on the bottom. Yeah. And, um, yeah. she, she had a really interesting point, like when, uh, Lucifer came up and, um, he was the principal <laughs> of this school, which is mm-hmm. so interesting. Um, but she was like, come on, aren't you like the great, um, Oh, what did she say? Um, like, rebellion like the rebellious mm. one kind of a thing bumping up against the man the system and um i had i thought that was really interesting um i'm guessing that's something that that you had kind of heard or at least that idea from from people you had talked to is that right something similar to that okay. because the idea of uh lucifer running purgatory academy it more or less comes from the idea from the idea uh, that came from reading the book of Job mm. of how Satan completely ruins Job's life with God's permission, might I add, you know, yeah. um, Satan ruined, completely ruins Job's life. But in the end, it was to, for Job to understand that the world is greater than his problems and not to doubt God. Like this is kind of, it, it, I don't know what's the right word for it, an illusion or um, I'll just say inspiration for the whole concept of it. And I guess uh, what Susan said, it was more or less a lot of people's re- um, objection to what I hear from the book of Job. Oh, interesting. Like from people who've read it before or the characters in it, like his friends, Job's friends? Um, people who read it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. she w- She's the most interesting character, I think, so far. Um, <laughs> just because she's so vocal about everything. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I look forward to, to continuing to read it. Um, oh yeah. It's been, uh, it's been, it's really good. Mm, and thank you. before we get too further into the interview, um, I also want to point out that not only is your, uh, comic on Webtoons, book one is also available as a hard copy. Am I correct? That's That's correct. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, nice. It's, available on my um website right now i'm trying to get a domain together but because it's right now it's on a uh, like a third-party website and the trying to say the domain out loud is a pain um but i also have a uh, book two part one out on amazon right now which is chapters one through five of uh book two that includes like extra uh, author's notes and production sketches Wonderful. Just like the first one. Yeah, that's awesome. So what other what other projects are you working on right now? Do you have anything else that you're working on? I am working on the uh the Purgatory Academy uh game demo. As I said earlier before, I uh came up with the idea. Well, 
after I pitched to um, the, the show, well, the Purgatory Academy concept to Adult Swim. And uh, after explaining the show to them, I had the idea that came to me saying, wow, this sounds better as a video game. And now I'm making it <laughs> in a way. Nice. Is that like one of the video games? I don't know anything really about video games, except Josh has played these ones where it's like a story, but you Mm -hmm. make decisions as you go along. Is it like that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's a visual novel uh, meets RPG. Very cool. Okay. So yeah, the ones I play like that is, um, if you're familiar with um, the Life is Strange uh, series Mm -hmm. and um, playing one called... um, Detroit become human. I'm still trying to get through that one. So a lot mm-hmm. like those is probably what I would equate it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think of those games, but like a lot of different little mini games oh, in okay. between. Gotcha. Yeah, nice. Neat. And the story changes whether you win or lose the mini games. Oh, so. oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. So that kind of makes me think of um, the anime Death Parade because mm-hmm. yeah, it's a um, if, if for anyone who's not familiar with it. It is a group of people who are basically in this quote unquote purgatory. And when people come down who had died, they play a game that's usually in sets of two. And whoever wins, they get to decide to be reincarnated or to go to hell, basically. Um, but it's all done through like these games, so like darts and an arcade game and pool and all that. So, I mean, interesting to, to kind of make that correlation yeah i i think i've seen a couple episodes of a death parade so i know i definitely understand what you're uh what you're coming from with that um, not 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 to be confused with death note that's so very different <laughs> something uh, completely different yes. yeah absolutely <laughs> uh yeah de- uh death parade is really really good i love the beginning mm-hmm. song too that's really funny. oh yeah because it's so happy it's so and happy that, and, and then, jazzy yeah <laughs> And then the, the like content of it is so mm-hmm. like, woof, it's heavy. <laughs> I can't believe I only watched like a couple episodes of it. And I just, <laughs> for, I completely forgot about Death Parade, honestly. <laughs> I think it's and only then, like 12 episodes. So oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a shorter yeah, one. So yeah. probably it's, it's good. I just don't know why I didn't finish it. We have those two. It's like, yeah, we forgot about that. I know. Does it bother you too when you're watching anime and they have like, 13 episodes or 11 episodes and you're like no this is you're 12 16 24 this is the this is the number <laughs> i mean like i guess because like i have <laughs> i watch all my cartoons and all my anime with a friend and he's really in tune to like the production side of uh this kind of stuff and the production side of like making anime and like making cartoons is just complete torture. It's just terrible. And plus it's money reasons. And, <laughs> and like, um, I have another friend who's also really big into like the, the behind the scenes of producing of all these shows saying that a lot of the times they would have big budgets and the people in front of people in charge of management would uh, pocket a lot of the money and just underpay staff. So I guess the 11 to 12 episode run is un, it's un, inevitable. Yeah, I get well, when you look at it that way, um, yeah, there's a lot of not so great things about the industry, um, I can imagine, um, just like a lot of indus- industries. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why people in general, I think, tend to discount or shortchange um, artists. 
mm-hmm. either like visual artists, um, music artists, whatever it is like, oh, well, you know, particularly the people who draw, I don't know if you've experienced mm-hmm. this, but they're like, well, can't you just like draw something for me? And you're like, no, <laughs> this is going to be like, you know, a hundred dollars just for this little thing. Like it's a lot of time and effort that goes into that. Does that happen to you? Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I think, no, I think I know art is <laughs> one of those things that we look at every day, but we see so much of it. We just think we just consume it like candy. We, we, we treat it like candy. Um, it's, it's sad. Or if people like live in a world where there's just no such thing as art, we probably wouldn't have anything <laughs> honestly. Cause when you, I was gonna, just, I don't know what I would say. Cause a lot of engineering is art, you know, yeah. industrial design, like to make a wheel, someone had to draw that wheel. You know, and that's art. So, that's so true. It's yeah. everywhere. It's all over the Absolutely. place. Yeah. Absolutely. We we watch yeah. movies. That's art to create mm-hmm. that. I mean, honestly, kind of we're just like having a conversation right now, but you could make an argument that creating something like this content for people to consume is also art, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's it's everywhere. It's uh-huh. hard to get away from it. It's an art form of uh, entertainment, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. so, so, sometimes people have it down to a science, but people are very fickle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are. They are indeed. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'd love to hear a little bit more too, um, about your, we've talked a little bit about already, but what are you, some of your, um, inspirations for, for your stories and this game and, and other things like that, um, that you create even for your YouTube channel? I have too much to list. Um, (laughs) When you think about me is usually I don't have a favorite anything. I just have something that I'm into at the moment. And then everything that I do is a copy of that or just a mix mash of things that I do like, Um, like kind of like in book two of uh, Purgatory Academy. The reason why it's taking so long is because I was inspired by the writing of uh, Ichiro Oda's One Piece. And if you know anything about One Piece, it's a 20-year-long story and it's still going. (laughs) And uh, uh, I was inspired by, in terms of art, I changed from uh, the flat early 2000s style to more of a um, style that mimics uh, Berserk, the uh, manga. And that manga is too detailed but i still go that's my standard anyway so i'm just sweating for my art right now um in terms of uh the game i think i have a lot of inspirations when it comes to like indie when i'm drawing from like indie stuff or like uh there's this game that i was interested like in i was interested in called uh three out of ten which was what promotes itself as a video game sitcom where it's literally just a sitcom but like bits and pieces of uh mini games um sprinkled between everything but and that's what my main inspiration for the game was but um i'm just adding my own little bits and pieces of to make my thing unique um like uh interested in the world of yakuza or just the concept 
the world of Yakuza and the one of the, one of the things things that I liked about Yakuza was uh, how there was a mini game literally or not a mini game but a story a side story at every corner of the map like it really made it look feel uh like a game world that was alive and uh i guess for my youtube i do not have an inspiration i'm just trying to make content and put it out there for my youtube so it's kind of aimless right now (laughs) unfortunately well sometimes um when you're trying to get your work out there into like so many facets sometimes you, you do have to take a quote-unquote um, aimless approach and kind of just you know throw it at the wall see what sticks and um you know what people are receptive to you said that you didn't have a favorite anything would this still apply to this last question which is what is your favorite anime or manga or what are you currently into Okay, so take what I just said and throw it out the window. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. So here's my here's a list of my favorite stuff. I do like One Piece, which is an ob- obvious thing. Um, my favorite that's my favorite um, anime right now. I mean, I jumped to the manga uh, because there was just one arc that was just going on forever, and I was just like, and I think I caught up to the to the anime, so I just decided to catch up with the manga. Uh, that's like the only instance of me doing that ever with any show. Um, another anime would be Trigun. I like Trigun so much because it has the philosophy of the extent of pacifism. Like, what what is the what will you do for the um, the extent of pacifism? And um, Hunter Hunter. That's my third favorite. Now I've seen um, like Hunter Hunter on like um, the title and everything on like Crunchyroll. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten into it. W- would you recommend it as far as like a, a good anime to to kind of uh, watch? Well, yeah, it said he was yeah. one of his favorites. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Josh. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I, so, nah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay but, yeah. All right. Obviously. Yes. Okay. Like there was like, there's one thing in the anime that made like a, like a serious blunder um, that makes sense in the manga, but it's uh but it's still it's still pretty good nonetheless nice what is hunter hunter about um hunter hunter well the anime is about a kid named gone who lived who grew up with his aunt and he wants to become a hunter like his dad and a hunter is essentially a adventurer they can be yeah they're essentially an adventurer that they can go around the world uh, and explore like uh, the depths of like uh, the unknown um, and they get the government's backing and um, the whole story just revolves around him trying to find his dad while his while like with every step he gets closer to his dad his dad is like another step up ahead of him like trying to trying to separate himself from gone while on the way he meets a colorful cast of people like a uh, Kilawa who is the youngest of a family of assassins who don't who doesn't want to be an assassin he's a, he's like a gifted child he's good at what he does but he wants to be more than what his family what more than like his family ties another one is um Karapika who's the last uh of his family think about sasuke of like naruto um and he 
and he wants to avenge the group of people who uh, massacred his family. And then you have Leodio, who is who wants to become a hunter to get a lot of money, and he's a doctor. So interesting, very interesting. So we'll certainly have to check that out. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid one. Yeah, it's- it sounds really interesting, um, particularly the description of Gon and um, his dad, the relationship with his dad, mm-hmm. and how uh, his dad seems to be running away from him. It just makes me think. Or, or trying to avoid him is that is yeah. that what, is that true? Like every time he gets close to his dad, his dad leaves him a note, basically saying, "Oh, you almost got me, but you're not ready." Uh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds maybe a little more playful than what I was thinking, um, but <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna hate his dad if you watch it. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking about how um, it sounds like that relationship is the absolute antithesis of our relationship with God. Because God mm-hmm. runs towards us, not away from us. And mm-hmm. how sad to have that kind of a relationship with, with an earthly father. But our heavenly father isn't at all like that, which is so wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But what's so weird is that God, gone, he still loves his dad. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like after, like he says, it's the complete antithesis. Mm-hmm. While like man doesn't always love God, sometimes just rejects God. Gone, he just loves his dad no matter like how many times his dad tries to get away from him or just feels like he's not ready to see him, but things do uh, turn out well. It's oh, good. good. So there is good. hope. There is hope. There is hope. <laughs> Yay. There well, are twists like- and turns. Uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, um, with that, I think we'll get into our topic today. Again, talking about anime and manga, this leads right up to the um, choice uh, that Mason uh, suggested for this episode. So, Mason, will you do the honors and tell our audience what we will be talking about today? Uh, what we'll be talking about today is Attack on Titan. This show has been going on for quite some time, and we are really excited to talk about it. Um, we started, it was, gosh, uh, I think a couple of years after the first season had premiered, and your sister and um, and her husband, they actually suggested it, right? Uh, well, they did, but I actually watched it back in 2012. Oh, you, yeah, you were someone with your old roommate at that at that point. Yes, my roommate, who actually was the one to get me into anime. This was the first thing she was watching um, that I saw her, and I was like, Whoa, ooh, what, what a, is this? What a way to start. <laughs> I know. This is how I started off my anime journey. Whew. Yeah, it was a rough one. <laughs> so to give a brief synopsis for those of you who aren't familiar with what Attack on Titan is, again, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Attack on Titan is a world where humanity lives inside cities surrounded by three enormous walls that protect them from the gigantic man-eating humanoids referred to as Titans. The story follows Aaron Yeager and a whole slew of others who vow to exterminate the Titans after a Titan has brought about destruction 
to many, many, many civilizations. Uh, that is the basis for our discussion today. So with the uh, Attack on Titan, as far as the um, points that you want to make sure to include um, titans or giants, as they're referred to in a biblical sense, and also the character of Aaron Yeager. So we're so okay. We were talking, I think, before we started recording about how far we are into the series. Um, we are in season three, which is the last season. Um, Wait, where what, are you, Mason? What is the season four? Four? Yeah. Are we? Oh, whatever. Wait, whatever the last one check. is. Yeah, it's called the final season. Yeah, <laughs> it's season season four is called the final season, and that's even go. in parts. So that's weird, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Josh told me that I don't know a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, yeah, they're actually going to make another season. I was like, but this is the final season. Well, part of you know, another like, arc. Hey, it, it's good. So, you know, anyway, point being, <laughs> where are you in the hole in the series? Um, I'm just three episodes shy of being caught up completely. Oh, man. Okay. So you're a little further along, actually, than we are, because we haven't caught up in a little bit. Um, I want to say we've missed the past. Gosh. Maybe maybe five or six episodes, I think. It's been a little bit mm-hmm. since we've gone back to it. Well, good. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're all basically on the same page then with where we are mm-hmm. in the show. So that's good. Okay. Um, yeah, Josh had so- said something about like you had just started watching it. And I was like, ooh, okay. So that means that like uh, we're just talking about season one. Okay, forget everything you know because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's so much that comes out, uh, so much information. But yay, I'm yeah. glad we can kind of talk about all of it. I blow through anime real quick, especially if it's dubbed. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can really easily go through all of that. And they're pretty short episodes. Um, you know, once you realize they're only like 20 minutes long, right? (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it was like, um, when I'm so used to like American cartoons and American cartoons are usually like 11 minutes True. And that's and like, and you said like 20 minutes, pretty short. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I guess I just, <laughs> I guess I'm just, um, it, it, it's different. I know anime has like a whole different thing going over there in Japan when it comes to run yeah. times. But yeah. Right. So different. So, so different. Yeah. And also listeners, everyone else, uh, if you have not watched Attack on Titan and uh, you plan to in the future, I would imagine we are going to say spoilers. So here's your warning. We're probably going to give away some important things. Disclaimer for all. <laughs> so getting into um, Attack on Titan, Rebecca, uh, now you kind of um, kind of urged me to like start this with you. Yeah, because um, it's great. It is great. And, <laughs> and um, I was a little bit, I guess... I want to say apprehensive, but I guess just a little bit cautious about, you know, starting it. Cause I wasn't really into like anime, like attack on Titan, um, at that point. Um, but when I started watching it, I was like, well, why haven't I started this sooner? Yeah, I, I did do, I did urge you to watch it. Like, it's really, really good. I think you were watching a lot of, um, slice of life at that yeah. time. And, you, and I was like, you eh, were not about slice that. Of life. No. Now slice of life. It's okay. But, yeah. um, moderation. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now you're hooked, right? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So get into kind of like the discussion here, uh, regarding this series. Now let's talk about the 
giants of old or the um, quote unquote the OGs. What are you talking about? Are you talking about the biblical giants? Yes, okay. Yes. Like, what, where are you going with this? Um, yeah, the uh, the Nephilim um, be the the giants of the Old Testament, which are, if I'm remembering correctly, they are the offspring of fallen angels and humans on the earth, which is such a weird concept. But they were giants, apparently. And this is this also comes from as far as like your reference point. This comes to us uh, because the Nephilim are mentioned in Genesis six and Numbers thirteen. So in Genesis, it's all like before you know the flood and everything. And Goliath wouldn't wouldn't he be considered as a Nephilim? Uh, yeah, he. I think he was. He had like the Nephilim blood in him. And that because it was like dying out, I think, throughout the generations, and he was one of the last ones. I think that's right. Do you remember, Mason? I think the last time I read about something pertaining to the story was uh, Malcolm Gladwell's fight, David and Goliath. It's a book about how people can use um, their enemies' strength to as use their strength as their weakness, essentially. And the book was talking about how the the way the Bible described Goliath describes a man that was very big in stature. However, because he was big in stature, he had terrible, he had a terrible sense of defense. And people think taking him down with a slingshot was like a little, little kid's toy. But no, if you look back at how slingshots were used in ancient military, they were accurate, deadly weapons. And plus the way they described uh, Goliath, he probably, he sounded like he had a lot of disadvantages to his um, stature. He was a giant though. He was a, he was a huge man. Yeah. I, th- I want to say he was like 10 feet tall or like nine feet something. I don't remember, but yeah, I don't know if you've seen too, the slingshot that David would have used at the time, you know, we think of the ones that look like a, um, like a wishbone or like a Y. And then you like pull back the stone in, in that like Y bit, but Mm. his sling would have been almost like a little pouch and then two really long strings. And he would have like swung that thing around, uh, in circles and then let one of the sides go. And that rock would go flying and you Mm. could, seriously shoot a rock really really far with that kind of a slingshot so this was a a weapon for sure absolutely so getting into um so jumping from the nephilim to the titans now um you mean an attack on titan an attack on titan okay (laughs) i was like we don't have giants now (laughs) Uh, yes so yeah don't yeah if you see a giant in just everyday passing and you still have Shaquille O'Neal. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in Attack on Titan, we see them. We see in the early season, so season one, where scouts are being trained and told about, you know, what Titans are, what's their motivation, kind of like their build, their structure, and what they feed off of. So the thing is, these Titans are not driven by you know hunger yes they feed on humans but the whole end game for them 
It's just they're in it for the kill. They're in the game of killing. And gosh, that is like really hard to like just you know you're you're in episode like four at this point, and it's already getting so deep and so dark. Oh, I know. Yeah, don't get attached to anyone. I've said that before, but yes, mm. you, <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one, no one is safe <laughs> from harm. There are so many times where I thought Aaron was a goner. Oh yeah, like just so many near misses. Mm-hmm. And he comes back in stride, and um, and as a titan, no less. Mm-hmm. And for Aaron, it comes out in the first season, kind of in the middle, towards the end, that he's basically the key, or uh, at least a big clue in how to basically bring back the freedom from these titans um, for everyone, and. Aaron's kind of portrayed as the quote-unquote Christ figure or savior um, for um, for everyone, for the scouts, for the citizens in different towns and everything. And that's a lot of pressure to put on, like, one kid is not that bright. He's got a lot of spunk, though. He does. He's, like, perpetually angry. <laughs> yeah. Particularly if you listen to the dub. I don't think I've listened to the sub one. Like, he has a has a visceral voice when he turns titan mm. and i was like like i was like listening to it on uh my speakers and i was like toning it down i was like i don't like i don't want anybody thinking i'm listening to anything satanic or nothing but <laughs> i was like that's it's 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 intense yes that voice is just mm. yeah his scream the like Rah! that one that one's crazy um yeah, it's um and you know talking about the whole like David and Goliath story, that was re- that's really interesting. Um cuz it is kind of what these characters are doing, right? The scouts and the um and everybody fighting the Titans. It's very much like David and Goliath, I think, using their strength against them. Where's their weak point? It's the back of their neck. Um and so yeah, I thought that was a really interesting correlation that you made there, mm-hmm. Mason. Absolutely. I kind of had in my thought of like who the Christ-like figure is in Attack on Titan. Okay, yeah. This might be like a little spoiler-ish type deal, but I do not see Aaron as uh, a Christ-like figure. And okay. he, is the, he is the main guy that the story follows, but I don't see him as a Christ-like figure because the way the story is kind of set up it's set up in a way where they don't really need Aaron um, at all. And the, to the point where Aaron's motivation isn't really to throughout the anime. It's not really to save everybody. It's to kill the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's um, he's driven by hatred. Yeah. Well, his motive, like he wants to protect his friends, but he used hatred as the fuel to, to, get where he needs to go and that goes all the way to like the final season and i really don't i don't remember the last arc you are you're in but like the final season goes like really um i guess i i'll I'll preface this by saying uh are you aware of um the civilization outside of the the city yes yeah okay so you you already seen like uh how he uh took over right yeah 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 so the way like the what he did over there that was 
the 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 uh, the show really tries to frame him as no better mm-hmm. than the people that he hated. Um, even when he was talking to the, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. The guy that was the armored Titan, he was saying, yeah, I, I still remember the day that you took over my city. Um, I don't feel any ill will towards you or your people, but I, but like you guys kind of threatened war on my people. So it's war, you know, what you going to do? Yeah, um, I, I think it's a really interesting. I, yeah, I think more than one person being a savior. I know it's strange for me to disagree with well, you. Well, uh, no, no, no. Like, I guess um, because I came across a lot of like studies and articles that were painting Aaron Yeager as like a Christlike figure. Um, I mean, I, depending on how far you are in the uh, series. Uh, correct. Like, if you're possibly, just, I mean, yeah, if you're just starting out, then maybe. I guess what I was trying to think is like, um, Early on, people are, you know, he's seen as, you know, the key, you know, to mm-hmm. all this. Um, I so see that, yeah. I, I, think, I think that's where I, see I was, where you're coming from. I, th- I mm-hmm. think that's where I was trying to paint the, you know, Christ like or the Savior type of thing. But I'm very yeah. interested to know mm-hmm. who you think the Christ like figure is, Mason. It's Sasha's dad. Mm. Mm. Kind of elaborate on that. He is not a Messiah figure but he is the closest thing to a follower of Christ in the show. So like, <laughs> cause that's what I'm like, that's where my mind came from. Like with anything that's virtually Christ-like in the show, um, because I, like I said, I don't know like how far you guys are, but um, in the final season, um, Gabby kills Sasha. Yeah. Right. Oh, and man, she finds, was... and she finds herself um, in the orphanage of Sasha's parents where she meets Sasha's dad and Sasha's mom. And they are the most loving people. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah. We haven't quite across. gotten that far. I think like, we know that she, she goes to, yeah, the orphanage or something, but haven't uh-huh. quite gotten to, to that relationship that builds up. So that'll be interesting to see once we get the there. Events that leads up to them finding out who killed Sasha. Like, Sasha's father displays the most incredible amount of love to her. And that, and um, that kind of got me thinking like a scene after they, they, everybody found out, well, Sasha's family found out who killed her, which was Gabby. Um, um, this is kind of kind of on topic, kind of not, but a scene after get like um, everybody kind of made amends with each other, except Everybody kind of made a, most people made amends with each other and they were just reminiscing on the world, like falling down around them as like the times just keep pouring in and pouring in. Uh, Gabby uh, has a conversation with um, a guy that um, uh, Sasha was in love with. Well, he, uh, the Sasha was like uh, in love with or fancied, you know, and they're questioning, we're just going they were just questioning, talking to about each other that we are going to war. We're constantly in war. And they realized just fighting back is just a natural retaliation. And they just think to each other, how are we going to stop this? And my answer was like, it is Christ. <laughs> you know, and I was like, cause <laughs> like watching the final season and seeing what Aaron does 
the show mostly to- tells a story about the raw nature of power because yeah. as you can see is the civilization outside of the island um i forgot the forgot the name of the civilization outside the island it's the marlians um, i think the marlians or at yes. least that's like their race or whatever think, but um the, so the like, yeah, I th- that's all i got I, th- I think the elvians are no the elvians are like the race of people that are right. like Aaron and the people can transform to Titans. The Marlins, I think, I believe are the people that um, uh, treats the Elvians like uh, the Jews in World War II. And like going back to the thing about like the nature of war, it really shows in like the whole lore of the story of the, how the Marlins basically overpowers the uh, Elvians just because they are afraid of their power. They are weak, but they are cunning because they are afraid that the Elvians are going to over use their raw strength for their military. And when they don't need them anymore for their military, they'll just toss them out and just genocide them because they're just too powerful a force to leave be. Um, Aaron wants to fight back. And that's just the natural order of things. There's no such thing as balance for people to, who do not have a standard of peace, of living together. All you have is two sides wanting to one up one up each other until we're all gone. And I'm like, this is why we need Christ. If the Attack on Titan says anything, it is this is a story warning us of what our world can be or what our world will be without Christ. Yeah, I would I, agree. It's like it shows the depravity of humanity. Certainly, absolutely. I mean, because we're all just, if, if we were in the situation with what Attack on Titan is displaying and illustrating, we're all just at odds with each other, trying to, again, as Nathan said, one-up each other, destroy each other until there's nothing left. I mean, yeah, that's that would be that's a scary reality. And in some places, that is happening. Right. It's not like mm-hmm. it's um, an uncommon thing, unfortunately. And yeah, it does show, you know, the, the results of the fall of man in, mm-hmm. in the garden and, um, that sin and it really rules our lives without Christ sin rules our lives. And we really can't make any good choices. People think they can make good choices and be moral individuals. Um, but without Christ, there is no salvation, no true salvation. And I kind of just want to add like one more thing where uh, in a way, Aaron, the show didn't treat Aaron like a Christ-like figure, but Aaron treated him like later in the season, the final season, he treated himself as a Christ-like figure where he Uh put it on himself to not just save his friends, but his people who are no better than the than like the Marlins who oppressed uh, his people. It was mostly about him wanting to save uh, save his people from the entire world who deems his people as a threat. Yeah. What a tough spot to be in his position, you know? Oh like, yeah, definitely. Especially for both sides. Oh yeah, exactly. Cause like his friends are like, we, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting, ah, I don't want to spoil it. It gets so <laughs> crazy. It gets so crazy. Everybody kind of finds themselves in like these weird ultimatums. We're just like in a world where, everybody has their own reasons for doing one thing or another um, where like the, like the initial thing is bad, but their retaliation is understandable, but it's still bad. Right. You know? 
Yeah, you can't fight fire with fire. Um, it's like the Old Testament way of saying, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Um, that was the old law, the old covenant way of doing things. Um, yeah. And I loved being able to see. So for the first, I guess, three seasons, uh, we were able to see um, every it was everything from Aaron's perspective. And that what we now know is the island of one little group of people, everything from their perspective. But I love then being able to jump over into the Marlians and the Eldians and um, and see life from their perspective and where Rhina and Bertolt and, and Annie, they all came from. And mm-hmm. you saw the enemy in a different light. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important for us as people to do because, yeah, we may have our own personal like enemy that in the world, someone else that we don't like, or we think they're just mm-hmm. making terrible decisions, whatever it is. And life from their perspective is different. Yeah. I think they, there was like a line that both, both the Aaron and uh, the armor and Titan, I keep forgetting his name. I'm sorry. Rhina. Uh, Rhina. Yeah. Like Rhina was like the first one who said like, when I was outside of their walls, they were the enemy. But when I was inside, they were just people. Mm-hmm. But he still, I mean, he still like killed them all. Like anyway, right? Like both of them did. <laughs> but but it was a, an understanding of like why of what I said previously. It's just the the nature of power and the nature of living uh, in a world of people who do not know Christ. Yeah, for sure. And kind of uh, a quick aside um, from um, because you mentioned like inside outside the walls. When we we see this a lot in different animations, because we've discussed a few where walls are um, so heavily focused on, because again they are for guarding a sense of protection. Mm-hmm. Again, we had this with uh, the the, uh, the book of, uh, the secret of Kells. Um, mm-hmm. Again, trying to build up and maintain the wall. Um, Wolf Walkers, so is made by the same company that did Secret of Kells. Again. Stay inside the wall. There's you don't need to be outside. And Aaron says something to the effect of when he wants to join the scouts. So we see in kind of the first couple of episodes where his father says to him, "Listen, you don't know what's out there." Mm-hmm. And he's explains to him, "It's like you know, you know, you think that I'm stupid. I know there's death. I know there's destruction. I know there's bad things out there. But why should we just be complacent?" to stay inside the walls because if we don't do something, I'm going to have to stay in this nightmare. So he feels basically like trapped mm-hmm. in this complacency. And I think that's Aaron or Aaron's dad. Uh, um, Aaron. Okay. That's yes. what I thought. And I think that's how, what we do is sometimes uh, we build up these walls around ourselves um, for whatever reason, um, again, to protect us because, you know, we've been hurt or other people have hurt us. And we just get so complacent that we don't ever, you know, bring those walls down to, you know, people or things that could help us or, again, the ultimate helper. I think you made up a really extraordinary point is because they touch on that in the show as well. Because the only religion in Attack on Titan are cultists who worship the right. walls. Yes. They yeah. treat the walls like goddesses. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think you, I think you um, touched on it like spectacularly and i just thought like oh yeah that's 
they do they do worship the walls within and the walls have titans and right so. i mean a wall is a great thing until <laughs> until the invasion <laughs> <laughs> true yeah it's interesting and i think the like you said that the church that worships the walls i don't remember what they were called but um they they knew the secrets or at mm. least some of them um they knew that the walls were made up of titans and mm. um i think uh, we were rewatching one of the episodes and they were doing one of their prayers the people that were in the church and they said something about um and and bless the founder who has keep kept us safe or something so and that i think was the first king right that's aaron's titan so like they knew a little bit that's uh that's going to spoiler territory oh okay (laughs) well they talk they talk about who the who the founder is okay so it's maybe a little different well well we'll stop there then (laughs) they know more than um than they're they're letting on at least we know that from Mm. from where we are So we're getting to the point where I would like to discuss um, just our personal um, favorites and um, intrigues um, about the show um, as we're getting to kind of like our recommendations. Um, so Mason, if you'll go ahead and start us off, what do you really like about, uh, aside from what we've already talked about, what draws you to Attack on Titan? What are your favorite things that you like about it? For me, getting into like, interested in any show it has to have a solid understanding of like what it wants to say the philosophies behind it um is it trying to like what is what is what are they what is the um the anime trying to say and is it really a thought-provoking thing that'll make you think about it uh after watching it and i think attack on titan is one of those um animes that will have you think about time and time again and I think the complexities of like every side is understandable and everything has like a, an upside and a downside um, where you will always find somebody with a different opinion of the, of every character's actions within the show. And I think the whole complexity of all the characters and like how well thought out uh, the story is where it just can't, where it just come, where it just grips you with action at first but then it turns into a mystery. Like it tricked, it tricked everybody. You didn't, nobody ever thought that this was going to be a mystery show. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everybody was like, oh, I just want to see some really cool animations with people just flying around like Spider-Man, like Spider-Man <laughs> with sword, Samurai Spider-Man. Yeah. Just beating <laughs> up giant tight, giant naked people. Like, <laughs> but I wasn't interested in, in a mystery, but that, the complexity is what really drew me in. Yeah. I'd probably have to agree with that. And, and like you said, the the character development in this is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the character development. Um, we While we were kind of prepping for today's conversation, uh, we were rewatching a couple of episodes from season one and um, looking at, at Armin in particular and how he saw he saw himself so differently than his friends did. And you Mm -hmm. could see like the first half of season one, he was very, very unsure of himself. And then there's a change around, I think, I think it was episode like 10 um, where all of a sudden he's like, Oh, you guys don't see me the way that I see me, that I'm a burden and I'm 
um, not important to the group. I could be gone and it would be fine. Um, but his friends really rely on him to persuade everyone to like, don't kill Aaron. Right. And mm-hmm. that, uh, that only grows as the, the time, time goes on mm-hmm. in the show and he becomes a real leader with really good strategic, um, mm-hmm. things. And, and Aaron, really cool. Aaron comes up. Yeah. It's when Aaron comes up to, him again, having, asking Arlen, Hey, you need to, you know, do you really, you know, plead the case to why, you know, I should, uh, for them to not kill me. And he, he says to uh, Arlen says to Aaron, well, why are you, why are you entrusting me with this big, uh, this big responsibility? Why, why would you just like, well, because you have a level head, you're this, you're that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think one more thing that what, what you mentioned was like the progression. Cause there, there's a progression inside the uh, the intros because at first it's you it has that German chant that everybody that gets everybody hyped to like fight <laughs> yes. for for country you know and like everybody want everybody's so hyped to be a, to be a um to uh, be a soldier but as the new intros go on and on it gets darker it comes from I want to be a soldier to fight for my country to there's wow there's a lot of death and fighting to wow my country's not really great to we are soldiers are just pawns and people are dying for no reason to the final to the intro that we have now where it's the ultimate like the ultimatum you know yeah that's a great point about the openings that that you see you're exactly right it does (laughs) they take you on a journey of where the characters are and their understanding and then mm-hmm. the one I've been obsessed with recently is My War, um, which is such a good opening. I love it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, you're it, you know yeah, it makes me think of the. It even has like the soldiers um, marching like. Oh, that's the, my favorite one too. Yeah, yeah, it's so good with like the color drops mm-hmm. and everything. It gets really. less and less colorful as like the intros go. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's really yeah. really interesting. Your correlation too between the Germans and the Nazis in world war two, that was really interesting because that's exactly what it's like. Um, mm. particularly as you get to know the uh, Marlins and the Eldians. Like both of you have said, I would have to say again, the complexity is what draws me in. Um, go and thinking it's one thing. Hey, surprise. And, um, just the characters on themselves, the main trio, which are again, Arlen, uh, Aaron and uh, Mikasa. I'd uh, say Mikasa is like the least character development, unless I'm just like not remembering her character development. Development. She's just kind of the same. She's kind of a badass. I've oh, heard, you know, I've heard they like the manga fleshed her out a lot, but the anime cut it due to like pacing reasons. Okay, interesting. Uh, hmm. I mean, that that's would, what I've heard, but that would make sense right. because of all of, all the other characters are very well developed. So it was, it is, it is kind of surprising that Mikasa isn't in the anime anyway. So perhaps that is true. There's a lot of characters and a lot of characters that die, but oh, you know, yeah. it, pacing is King at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, that's what will kind of make a break a story. I think for sure. Well, let's go ahead and get on to our recommendations. Again, we usually do this on a scale of one to 10 um, with attack on Titan where we are currently, 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, 10 out of 10. Wow. That's high. Mm. Goodness. I'm surprised, Josh, actually. Well, I told you, I was trying to be conservative my last few ones, but when I really like something, I really think it's good. Apparently. <laughs> That's got me great. Mm. I love it, too. Um, for me, I would say it's on up there. It's an eight or a nine um, for me. I heard, I try not to give hardly anything a 10 because, I mean, there might be that one that's just, like, blown out of the water. It's a 10, like Demon Slayer. Like, if something is a 10 for me, that means, like, it changed my life. It changed how I think about things yeah. forever. Um, but this, it's, it's definitely not a, it's not a 7. I'd say it's, a, it's an 8. It's a, it's a solid 8 or a 9. It's, yeah, right. I, I'd say about that. It's like an 8. Because, like, I would have to be obsessed with it. If it's, if it's a 9, I would say it's an 8. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I have such a hard time with these, like, number things when we started this i was like uh josh i don't want to do number recommendations that's so hard well i thought about i thought about doing like a a halo system it's like all right so on this we give it three halos or something (laughs) like that half a halo yeah (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean in terms of christianity safe for the family we give half a halo I mean, hey, it shows what the world is like without Christ. Right, so that's yeah. a pretty good. That's yeah. a pretty good horror story, right yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> <So. laughs> true. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a different type of rating system <laughs> in the in the future. Well, we want to thank our guest uh, Mason McKinney for joining us today, talking about Attack on Titan, his webtoon uh, Purgatory Academy is available that you can go ahead and read that and mason if people want to find you in regards to social media where can they find you um i'm on instagram uh at masonimus m-a-s-o-n-i-n-o-u-s yeah uh (laughs) i-m-o-u-s i'm sorry uh then i have my twitter where i post uh updates on uh, my game where it's at p-u-r-g underscore academy and um, my TikTok has the same handle, and I believe it's Masonimus as well for my YouTube. Oh yeah, I'm also on. I'm also on a uh, Amazon. So just look up Mason McKinney on Amazon. All right, awesome. Nice. Well, with that, everybody, we thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Andalusia podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all the latest information. We would love to hear your comments and questions about today's episode, as well as suggestions for future episodes. You can message us on our socials or email us at contact at